0: Okay, so we've been doing this whole series on, um, on uh, a lifestyle of heaven, and we were hearing from the Lord prophetically, you know, about the shift that's coming, and, and so uh, we really felt like the Lord wanted us to share that with you, so prophetically we kind of said, okay, here's what's happening, here's, here's the times and the seasons that we're in. And then we wanted to give you um, some biblical historical uh, uh, um, perspective, and so we really talked about the times in in the Word where there's been incredible shifts that God has has initiated, <clears throat> which uh, which actually looked kind of bad in the beginning of both of those shifts, but it ended up being incredibly. Um, uh, an incredible blessing. Oh, there's a cord there. Woo, that could be bad. Okay. Um, that's got to go. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Pastor down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, shake, rattle, and roll. You're right, baby. You're on. You're just smoking this morning. Maybe you need this. You come up here and do this. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Then I completely ignore this area right over here. <laughs> then uh then then um we, the, last week we talked about the sermon on the mount which was really the foundation that we need in order to uh to uh prosper in the shift and prosper um um, in the coming days and, and, uh, Jesus very clearly on, in the Sermon on the Mount said on the, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount in chapter seven, it's Matthew five through seven. In fact, you can go ahead and, and open your Bibles to, uh, Matthew 5, and we're going to kind of go through step by step, but at the end of it, he said, oh, P.S., I'm telling you all of this so that you will build your house on a firm foundation that when the days of, of sorrow come, when the days of shaking come, your house isn't actually going to be shaken because it's on a foundation that's not going to move, and, and so what my heart is for you and then and, and the Lord's heart is for you is that actually during a time of shaking, you're going to be prospered and you're actually going to increase instead of decrease so you're going to stand in faith believing in the one who made the promise instead of looking at the world that's falling apart around us and it's really 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 this is a greatest time it's the great and terrible day of the Lord but it really for us it's the great This is the great, this is what we've all been waiting for. This is what the saints of old have waited for, for all of history, and all of their prayers went towards what we're about to experience in this hour. Come on. David Crowder, I was listening to one of his songs this week, and he said, the earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. And I, and, I, and I was thinking about that and, 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 and thinking about the, the we're so steeped in the process and the pattern of the world that it's real hard for us when we have sorrow or when we have all these circumstances, we have a tendency to look to the world to solve the sorrow or to solve the relational difficulty, the financial difficulty, or the, 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 the physical difficulty. But 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 how can the world give us what we need when in fact the world is in the same condition that we're in, because the world is is something that was created, but it, but the uncreated one, the God of heaven and earth, the living one said, come to me so that I can give you life. And so everything that we need is in God. But when we go to the world to something that is dying, because it says, the word says that the world is passing away. So why would we go to the world to look for what only God can give us? Because if the world is passing away and the world is dying, we can't go to death and try to get life. So the Lord showed me um, in the first and second Exodus, which we covered a couple of weeks ago, and I really, really encourage you to go online and to check it out because uh, in the first Exodus, when the Lord was bringing um, the children of God out of Egypt, he was trying to symbolically say something about Egypt. And then when the Lord on the second exodus and he's taking them out of Babylon, he is symbolically trying to say something about the second exodus. And if you take the first exodus and the second exodus and you put them together, you actually come up with the gospel and everything that Jesus did when he came on the earth. Because Egypt actually means a demonic soul life. And Babylon means confusion. What is your soul made up of? Your mind, your will, and your emotions. And so what, what Jesus did is he said, listen, I'm coming to set you free from this, from this reality where your, your emotions are confused, where your mind is confused, and where you don't understand and you don't have clarity about the will of God for your life. And so what he's doing is he's taking what has been scattered and he's bringing it into his truth. And so he's releasing from heaven the truth of God so that we can come into the order that we were created to be in. And what and it's like a tuning fork. And once you get into that place where you are hearing that the, all of that, you get into perfect rhythm with heaven, all of the sudden it's that, it's that oneness that happens between us and God, and it's that, that house, which is us, that, that he comes in seed form, and we actually make room for him to fully take over, and, and we become the habitation of his presence. And so he gave us the Sermon on the Mount. And, and, it, and it's interesting to me that how soon the Sermon on the Mount came up. Because what he did is he came on the scene and he said, all right, um, I'm, I'm going to get baptized. And I'm going to tell you, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he's like, change your mind and the way that you process information. Because the way that you're thinking is an error. And I'm going to show you a new way that you can now begin to function and a new pattern of living, which is going to bring incredible blessings to your life. And it's going to help you advance the kingdom of heaven on the earth so that others can then begin to function in this same pattern and so on and so forth. An incredible multiplication ensues. So, so he says, repent. And then afterwards, he declares in Luke 4:18 he said listen let me explain to you what is happening here because i have come to set the captives free And to open the blind eyes, but he was not speaking about just physical eyes. He was talking about the eyes of your heart that have been closed to see in the realm of the spirit so that you can now see and hear and understand what is happening. So again, that your life can be blessed. And then he goes on and he sees the multitude Before him, as he says, and he goes up the mountain to begin to teach the multitude. And in chapters five through seven of Matthew, he said, I am going to teach you about how to live a life in the kingdom and what that looks like for you. Because you know, he is the teacher, right? So he came to um, do three things he came to describe the kingdom, to demonstrate the kingdom and then upon his death and resurrection to deliver the kingdom. And so um, it starts off in um, chapter 5, and he goes through um, the Beatitudes, and he, and, and, he, and he said, all right, listen, the, the great news about the kingdom is the kingdom has a reward system. It's not just, oh, hey, you do this, because he's, he's like, you're not slaves anymore, you're sons. You're part of my family, and as you do these things, I want you to understand that there's an incredible blessing, that your life is going to be blessed, that your life is going to blossom, that that the seed has been sown by Christ, and through that seed, it actually is going to influence the rest of your life, and everything in your personal life and in your heart is going to be blessed, but not just you, but everyone around you is going to be blessed. Blessed because that seed is going to begin to germinate and it's going to begin to grow. And so that's what happens when he lays out the Sermon on the Mount. He's a he he he's a gardener. You know, how many times in the parables does he speak in terms of of farmland? I mean, John John used to be a gardener, so I I actually married a living parable, and he's always talking that way to me. And I'm like, what are you talking about? But, but, but so that's what Jesus did. He is the vine dresser. He is the one that sowed the seed into the soil of your heart, and then he's the one that comes and, and waters it and, and fertilizes it. Amen? So the eight attributes, attributes that will uh, create blessings in your life, they're like flowers in the gardens of our heart, and God wants those to fully blossom. And so he said, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So you can see that you've got um, that, that you have an attribute being poor in spirit. And the reward is that theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. I'm working on that one because um, genuinely I want to see God, um, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sakes for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so you have these um, beautiful flowers, these beautiful beatitudes, and, and they're cult- what we do is we have to cultivate our garden. And so he goes in and he begins throughout the rest of the chapters, throughout the rest of chapter 5 through 7, what he does is he goes in and he said, listen, now, I'm going to tell you how to keep your garden growing, how to keep these seeds uh, prospering so that you can come to the fullness of the blessings of the Lord in your life. And so he said this, number one, you're going to have to weed your garden. So he goes and he starts to tell us about these six common temptations, weeds that will grow up in our garden that will begin to choke out the seed. And then he goes on to tell us, here's how you water and fertilize your garden, and he gives us five kingdom activities that will help us. And and he starts off this entire sermon, not only with giving us the Beatitudes, but then he starts it off and he said, listen, you're salt and light. Let me explain to you who I've created you to be. So he kind of gives us who we're supposed to be and the characteristics of who we're supposed to be, and he said, you're salt you're supposed to be a preservative to the earth. You actually are the thing. Do you know that if, that if every Christian were taken out of the earth, the kind of chaos and evil that would ensue, you're actually the ones that are holding evil at bay because without light, darkness will take over. And so he said, you are actually preservatives on the earth and you preserve, that's what you're supposed to be. And you, you also, salt brings flavor. You are to bring the flavor and enhance the experience of the word of God that everybody, so, so, so for example, right here, right now, what am I doing? The Holy Spirit is speaking through you and I am being salt, which by the way, if anybody knows you, I put salt on my salt. And so, um, which And and my chips, which make them much better, you know, the saltier, the better, right? So, so, so the, so salt is, I'm giving flavor, which means that you have a personality and you have characteristics where you deliver the gospel with flavor. Have you ever seen a Christian try to deliver the gospel without flavor? You're like, brother, you need to go home and get some flavor. We actually have a food truck coming um, when Jason's here. It's called Flava Flav. (laughs) Now, they got some flavor. It's all salty. It's all taco. Woo! It's going to be so much fun. Y'all like food trucks? Food on wheels? Don't get better than that. So he said, hey, listen, this is the deal. Uh, Salt. Salt is your identity. It's who you are. And then he said light. You're to be light, describing the impact that you're going to have on people around you. So you bring the light that illuminates and shines and shows direction, right? So we're to be salt and light, and that's Matthew 5, 13 through 16. And then he goes on and he said, okay, now, um, I, the, let me explain to you why I came. I actually didn't come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill everything so that everything that's been spoken from the beginning of time has now been fulfilled through my life, So, prophetically, he came. And do you know that every single prophecy that was spoken of him, that he came and fulfilled that? Do you know that's actually mathematically impossible for that to have happened? It was a complete miracle because most of the prophecies that were fulfilled by him were done so. Why? Were done by other people, right? To show the, the miracle of who he is and, the, and, and, and to show the world that, that he wasn't, he didn't read the book and go try to reproduce himself. And as I was telling some of the students this week, have you ever thought about all of those prophetic words and how it was that all those prophetic words got fulfilled? Have you ever thought about that, especially by other people? It's the power of prophecy, and this is a rabbit. I'm kind of going on a rabbit trail. But the power of prophecy is that once God speaks a word, it exists in the earth forever and ever until the timing of the Lord and then someone will actually step into the word of God and perform it because everything that he says will be performed. So that should give us great hope for those of us who are still tearing and waiting for some of the promises. I'm telling you, if you want those promises to come faster, You just keep prophesying. He said to Timothy, Paul said to Timothy, war with the prophetic word. Because when you do that, do you know how you war? Right here with your boca, with your mouth. You war with your mouth by continually agreeing with the promises of God over your life. And that promise will come soaring on those words. All right, that's good. So then he gives us an invitation to be great which I love, because I don't know about you, but I, I, my heart is exploding with greatness. I want to be great in the earth. How many of you want to be great in the earth? Oh, come on. Yeah. That's all of you. All right, show me a show of hands again. All of us want to be great. And so he said this. He says, whoever uh, breaks a blah, 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 where am I? Maha <laughs> kardabahoryabaha. Whoever breaks one of these least of the commandments shall be least in the kingdom. Whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom. And so he's talking about Sermon on the Mount. And he said, listen, I've actually created you for greatness. And the thing that you have in your heart for greatness was put there by God. So you know that you know that you know that you are supposed to be that. But here's the thing. He said, listen, if you are trying to achieve these things in any other way other than how he instructed us in Sermon on the Mount, then your greatness will try to come through your own hand and through manipulation and control and not through God. Without the paradigm of being on the journey to greatness, the Sermon on the Mount lifestyle is difficult to sustain. It really is the incentive that we have within us to to live the Sermon on the Mount lifestyle or a, a heavenly lifestyle. So God invites us to greatness without regard, listen, without regard for our outward achievements, without regard for the size of your ministry or the success in your business, his greatness is measured by the condition of your heart. That's what it's all about. He's after the seed. He's after himself. And when he looks at you, what does he see? Does he see himself or does he see you? So that's why I love Sermon on the Mount. Okay, weeding your garden. We're going to go through the things not to do because that's what he talked about first. Okay. So he, came, he didn't come to destroy the law, but he came to fully express God's original intent. Woo, feeling that. Okay, starting to shake. He highlighted six areas which we have to wage war against. Now listen, this is not a this is not a message of condemnation because if you struggle with any of these things he's not saying listen if you struggle with them you're 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 discounted but he's saying wage war against it. Be intentional about my love and be intentional about waging war. And so um Here are the six. The first is anger or a spirit of murder that he speaks of in Matthew 5, 21 through 26. The second is adultery, a spirit of immorality that he speaks about in in Matthew 5, 27 through 30. The third is disregarding the sanctity of marriage and being disloyal in relationships. I'm telling you, this is so important to the Lord because marriage... The, it represents the marriage of the lamb and he said marriage in that covenantal relationship between a man and a woman is so important to the Lord because you are the bride of Christ and he is the bridegroom coming for a bride and he and so the symbolism of marriage and having a healthy relationship on the earth is so critical to him. Number um, four false commitments. Um, in Matthew five thirty three through 37, it is a spirit of manipulation that, that we use to promote ourselves. Uh-oh. You know, when I, I first got saved, um, this was something I really struggled with because I came out of the business world, and I was, I was uh, um, uh, top of the game, and I didn't get there because I was nice. I mean, I didn't know the Lord wasn't saved. And so I used manipulation and control and and, and conniving. And so I was always uh, strategizing in my own mind and, and my own flatteries and my own way to try to get ahead in business and try to make more money and try to have more sales. Don't you know that's exhausting? And and um, I feel like the Lord just really wants to – say this, this morning that, you know, he has brought you to the place that you are and you don't have to fight so hard to try to keep yourself there. Cause you didn't have control over getting you where you are and, and the success that you are realizing. And you certainly are not going to have any control over keeping yourself successful or having more success. The fifth, retaliation for personal inconveniences. Really having a spirit of revenge and not turning the cheek, you know. But 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 having evil for evil, you know. An eye for an eye. And he goes, oh, no, you know, that doesn't apply anymore. So when someone does you wrong, I want you to forgive them and I want you to bless them. And I want you to come in the opposite spirit, which is actually, we just saw a great testimony of that through uh, the, the um, horrible tragedy in South Carolina, in Charleston. I mean, don't you know that even though those seeds fell into the ground, because of what they have done, those seeds are going to multiply and expand. I mean, people are talking about, wow, that's really what the church is. I mean, that's just incredible to me. Um, number six, inactivity when mistreated. The Lord said, uh, uh, you know, when you are mistreated, guess what? <clears throat> you have a choice. You can either be offended and get bitter, allow a bitter root to grow, or you can choose to love. Have you ever tried to choose to love someone that you really want to hate? Man, that's hard. But you but can. You can. It, you can, it, it is it's possible for that to happen. It's possible for you to really walk in love. And, and, and if you want to grow in love, it's interesting. There was one year that I asked the Lord, uh, I said, God, I just want to grow in love. This year, I want this to be a year where I really grow and expand in love. And immediately, what was presented to me was an opportunity to hate, it was incredible betrayal and opportunity to hate. And it was so up close and personal. Well, that's how you grow. You press through what is presented to you in the natural and you grab hold of the grace of God from heaven to begin to function as one that is called the son, the sons of God. And you begin to walk in perfect love. These principles are practical ways of showing God's love by being salt and light and progressively, honestly, a lot of this I didn't even understand in the beginning until I started to have to walk a lot of it out, and and it became practical to my life. Um, Jesus ends this section with a call to be perfect. It's interesting he says therefore you shall be perfect just as your father in heaven is perfect. And so he says listen you've got these you've got these six areas where you're going to have to weed this stuff up out of your life. But You actually can be perfect. Here's how. Jesus came and he came as an example of how to do it and how to walk beautifully and perfectly on the earth because what he did is he said, I'm here to fully represent the father and I don't do anything even of my own, even though I am God. I still do nothing on my own, but he was made perfect through the things that he suffered and and through his obedience, Right. So so his perfection came in with with what I said before, that 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 earth has no sorrow, that heaven can't heal. And so as we walk through this, the Sermon on the Mount and weeding our our gardens, we just go, God, what's this all about? What's going on in heaven? Help me to understand that, because every time I will guarantee you when when circumstances hit your heart and fear comes in. That's God touching that place in your heart, and he's saying that right there has got to go. Now, let the wrestling begin because I'm going to help you win this. I'm going to help you overcome and to weed up this thing that is choking the seed of love in you. Amen? All right, so then he goes on and he said uh, there, are, there are, he tells us there are five kingdom activities, watering and fertilizing our garden. So here's the things that he says to do. Jesus describes these five activities. They position our heart to receive more grace and strength and to grow in love so that we can overcome the six temptations. I'm going to say that again. He gives us these things to do so that we can overcome the things that we shouldn't do. I didn't leave you orphans, but I've actually given you everything in life and godliness to overcome. So um, the first thing is to serve in charitable deeds and giving service Basically giving our time. So when we see that there's somebody in need in the body of Christ, you know, we go and we help. There's somebody that needs to move. There's somebody that needs a, a widow or an orphan or, or somebody needs help. Serving back with the children's ministry, you know, uh, coming in here and just saying, hey, I just felt like I wanted to come and vacuum the floors in here. Whatever the needs are in the body, the needs are being met by the body. Everybody gets to be part of the team, and everybody gets to be uh, part of the family, and that's how you're part of the family. Everybody does their share, and that way, the burden doesn't fall on the one or two. Amen. But also, uh, then he, as the second is he talks about giving. Um, so not just giving of our, our time and our, uh, but also giving of our money, um, which is it, it's just critical. And 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 I and I want to uh, give you a, a little an analogy about money and how God feels about money because we're so prickly when it comes to money. I know this guy that's he's an unbeliever and um, and he genuinely believes that the only thing that the church is for is to get money from people, and um, and so that's he talks about that a lot. And um, so I think there's this thing this this the that it, even among believers that there's such a misunderstanding about about money and about the kingdom. <clears throat> and so last week I talked to you guys about the refrigerator. Remember the refrigerator, the analogy of the refrigerator? Yeah? So So let's just say you've got money, and let's just call that money an apple. So let's say you've got an apple, right? And you're sitting in front of a refrigerator, and you're saying, God, okay, the refrigerator, by the way, is the kingdom of heaven, okay? It's the other realm. It's the place where God said, you know, in my house are many rooms, and I've stored up all this stuff. It's the storehouse. And so, so you've got this apple, and, and so you're like, okay, I'm going to give this apple into the kingdom. And I'm going to put this apple inside this refrigerator, okay? And you shut the door. And you're like, oh, I'm hungry. And so the Lord said, okay, well, you don't have to ask me for what you need. You just go and get what you need because, you know, you got that apple and you open it up and the refrigerator not only has apple, but it has every kind of food ever known to man and it is a banqueting table that is filled with all kinds of flavors and spices and and drink and wine and water and everything that you need and you're like, huh, my apple, look what my apple did. Now, everything that I want and need, oh, wait, there's a look over there. As far as the eye can see, all that I can hope or imagine, wait, all of the secrets and the things that I have in my heart, all my desires that I haven't even verbalized, it's more than I thought. It's in there. It's in the refrigerator. Isn't that amazing? The kingdom of heaven is like that refrigerator. And, and, and so when we sow into the kingdom, we reap in an incredible way. I love that. And, and I was, I was asking the Lord about this and I was saying, Lord, you know, tell me, show me about, uh, about giving because he very clearly said, this is such an important part of, of, of what it is that I'm doing in the kingdom, but it doesn't have anything to do with money. It has to do with your heart. Okay, he doesn't care about the money. He understands, though, that there is a love of money. that is the root, say root. It is the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. So you know if God's messing with your stuff, he's after that root. So the Lord showed me, he said, do you remember Um my grandkids, I'm looking at my grandkids, and I'm, I'm watching them, and they're so, you know, they're, you've seen them. They're stair-stepped. You've got the 4-year-old, the 3-year-old, the 2-year-old. Those shucks are busy, aren't they? Where do they find the time? So, um, you know, you're sitting there, and you're, you're looking at them, and, and they get to be about the age of, of 2, and, and that's when, you know, you start to have some friends come over that are also 2 years old. So in walks another toddler, and I'll look at my grandkids and my grandkids that have all of these toys. And the minute that that other friend that came over, that other two-year-old goes to pick up one of their toys, what happens? Mine. Mine mine. No, wait, no, that's mine. And they do this and they, they fight and they wrestle and they get it. And then they kind of wrap themselves around it. I mean, it's the strangest thing, but you know, honestly, our children are born with evil tendencies. And so what the Lord said is when you are born again, you actually are like that child with your money and your stuff because you're, you, you, you're like mine. It's mine. And what the Lord is trying to do and what we're trying to do as parents, we don't, uh, you know, I could, I don't care about the toy. I could give a flip about the toy. What I care about is the heart of my grandchild, that the heart of my grandchild will express love. Love. And, and generosity and all of the characteristics that the Lord is trying to get us to have. And so that we would grow in love. Now, think about how blessed we would be as parents if our children at that age said uh, a child came walking in and immediately went and picked up their favorite toy and said, Here, I want you to have this. It means so much to me, but I want you to have it. You can actually take this home with you. We'd be like, you're a miracle child. Because <laughs> we can't love money and love God. He just said you can't do both. You'll be double-minded. And so you got to switch from one camp to the other. And a great uh, testimony of, uh, that John and I have, uh, uh, John um, was on a... Um, he was not on salary, but he was on commission. And so, uh, we had, uh, at the end of one year, he, we had really made a commitment where we were going to, um, we felt the Lord telling us he wanted us to tithe twice of what we were tithing. And, um, we said, okay, <laughs> no, we really were excited about it. Remember we were like, oh yeah, we can't wait to give into the kingdom. And, um. And he was really putting his his finger on our our stuff. And so then the next month, uh, we got a check that was half of what we needed to pay all of our bills. And so what just happened? It was a test. So the minute that you agree with the Lord, the test comes. And you will be tested in the very thing that you said yes to. And so John and I just kind of looked at each other and it was the first of the month and we were like, okay, well, you know, we've already said yes to the Lord. So we're going to write this check and we didn't even want to wait. We stuck it in the mail because we didn't want to, first of all, be tempted to use it. But now it, it, what it did is, is it weakened our financial state even more. And so in the natural None of this makes any sense. But in the kingdom, this makes perfect sense. Who who made all this stuff up? <laughs> Wait, I thought one plus one equals two, but in the kingdom it doesn't. So so we sewed the money. And that night, I remember it was cold outside, and that night, I remember Samuel, he was about um, six years old, and he had on a pair of pants that were, like, high-watered. He'd gone through a gross spurt, and I just thought, oh, I need to buy him another pair of jeans, but we're on DEFCON 5. I can't even afford to breathe right now, you know. So uh, that night, I said, take your pants off. It's the only pair of pants he had. Take your pants off. I'm going to wash them and dry them. And school's the next day. And so I went to the dryer the, the next morning. And um, to just, you know how you pop them with heat so they're not wrinkled? Or maybe y'all iron them. I don't know. I don't. But uh, so I gave them a little heat and um, went in to grab them. And there were two pairs of jeans in, in the dryer. One pair was the pair that was too small. It was a size 8. And there was a brand new pair, a size ten, that was in the dryer. Now I don't know about you, but that's that's the kind of uh, access to the excess that I want. I want to. I want to have. I want to access heavenly excess. Manna appeared from heaven out of nothing. It. Appeared out of nothing. Those jeans appeared out of nothing. Trust me, I was checking the inside of my dryer to see where those jeans came from. They were brand new, never worn, didn't even have a tag on them. God just does what He does. Now, now I had I had half of what I needed to pay my bill. We had left over at the end of the month money. And we had food. I'm telling you, I don't understand it. You can't explain it. The math in the kingdom does not make sense in the natural. But what happened is John and I took the apple, the apple, we were like, okay, okay. We said, and you promised, and we believe you, God, we believe your word, and we put it in the refrigerator. And he said, now you have access to my excess and the things more than you could hope or imagine are going to be available to you. And all you have to do is get it. All right. The third thing is praying. All right. A lot of you, I've heard a lot of you say this. Well, I don't have time to pray. <clears throat> We're busy, 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 busy. I, I, I'll tell you what. I'll make you a deal. Uh, you pray for every time that you're on social media and it'll make up for the time that you need to pray. I'm not kidding you, man. I walk around and I'm just like, I, I, you don't even make eye contact with people anymore. You know, you're walking around and they're literally walking And doing this, I mean, that's a hazard. Anyway, so social media. So I bet if you just ask the Lord, how do I pray, he'll give you a good recipe and it will bless your life. Uh, One of the times that I began to pray, again, the multiplication, um, the Lord told me when our daughter Bliss, who's a quadriplegic, she had just had her accident. And so um, every two hours, uh, she had to be turned and changed. And in my life, you know, seven kids, one of them, you know, uh, taking care of them. And the Lord said, I I want you to pray um, 12 hours a week. And I was like, I'm sorry. Have you seen my schedule? I'm a little busy right now. Okay, I'll give you like an hour a day. That's all I got. And the Lord said, no, I want you to give me 12 hours a week. And I was like, Lord, this isn't... this is either a cruel joke or you're trying to show me something really important that I'm just not even understanding. And so he kept on it and on it and on it, and I finally said, okay, well. And, and you know what? Honestly, he did it with a promise. He said, you build my house, I'll build yours. And I thought, ooh, I think that's a good exchange because I'm obviously not very good at building my house, you know. And uh, so I did it. And uh, all of the time that I didn't have and running around like a, like a woman with her hair on fire 24-7, I mean, I was exhausted because I had no time. All of the sudden, I had time left over at the end of the day. And, and, and the thing I didn't have time for, my prayer life was the very thing that was actually creating a multiplication of my day and a blessing of my day. And so all of the things I was having to labor for and and I wasn't resting in God's, you know, his labor. I was I, I was working in my labor, but but when I began to rest in God, he began to do all my work. And all of a sudden uh, my house began to get built. My daughter began to to uh, recover. And it's not that she's walking, but 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 she became fully independent. And, in fact, Baylor Hospital had her uh, on the whole side. Her picture was on the side of their building in a, a massive poster uh, as, as like their poster child because of how quickly she recovered, you know. But it, it was because of prayer. She was in the house of prayer. So my, my house did, he did bless my house, and he did build my house. And then it says, I want you to bless your adversaries. That is, uh, I think we're on number four. Yeah, bless your adversaries. Um, It's really the fullness of forgiveness. And listen, just because you are still hurting after you forgive someone, even though your heart maybe still stings, it's okay. It doesn't mean that it didn't work. You know, Jesus, after he said, Lord, forgive them for they don't know what they do, he was still in a lot of pain. He was still feeling the fullness of the weight of the cross and and, in physical agony. And so... Going through and choosing to forgive people, your heart, it will actually begin to heal. And uh, it will really allow the Lord to, to heal that person and to bring that person to the fullness of their own whatever it is they need to have done. All right, and then the fifth is fasting. I used to love to fast. Um, I still love to fast, but the Lord has actually moved me into a feasting stage. But really fasting, it should be a part of, of your uh, daily, uh, or not daily, but um, yearly uh, routine. Just whenever the Lord is, is pressing on you to fast. And all of these things are, are not to get God to do something. All of this is so that your heart will be fertilized and watered by the grace of God. And as your heart begins to grow and the seed of Christ, and when I say the heart, when I mean the seed of Christ begins to grow in you, those six things that you aren't supposed to do will actually go away. And your life will really begin to blossom and bloom and and, and be very, very fruitful. <clears throat> okay, so um, I think I'm going to stop there. Oh, one more thing. The, okay, one more thing I do want to, to say to you. Um, In Matthew 6, 25 through 33, he says this, Do not worry about your life, what you eat or what you drink. Do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things, but... Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. You know, fear will cause you to fail more than failure will cause you to fail. Fear will cause you to fail. He said, don't worry. Don't be in fear because of your stuff. Now, what's coming is going to shake your stuff. But the Lord said, don't worry about that because I have a refrigerator in heaven that has everything that you need in it. And when you do the things that I've told you to do here, these five things to keep your garden watered and fertilized, then what will happen is you're going to have full access to this refrigerator and everything that you need. When you seek first my kingdom, says the Lord, everything that you need will be provided for you. And in the days to come, I really encourage everyone to have plenty of uh, of food, everybody should have, and I'll talk about this later. I think it's going to be more like towards the end of July, but everybody should have three months of provision set aside, food and water, and, and it's not it's not to hoard like, like those children with their toys, but it's to share because if you hoard, then it will serve the needs of your family and you will consume it. But if you share it with your neighbors in the time of trouble, who, when they have not provided for the time of trouble, what will happen is what you have will actually be multiplied and you'll never run out. Because we are called to be light and salt in the time of trouble. We're called to be a resource, not just for physical healing, for the prophetic to bring the kingdom of heaven, but also to feed the multitudes. And so we're going to be seeing some incredible miracles of of multiplication of food, multiplication of water, cleansing of water. You guys are going to be throwing um, um, a bitter root in water, and it's going to be made fresh. Amen? And so um, I just want you guys to, let's stop there, and we'll go and have a happy Father's Day and eat lots of barbecue or whatever it is you guys have planned. Um, So let's go ahead and stand. Well, Father, we just thank you. Um, for Father's Father, we thank you, Father, for, for your wisdom in Sermon on the Mount, that your, that your greatest desire is to set us up for success. Your greatest desire is that uh, the seed of Christ, the seed of love, would, would grow and expand and increase in us, that we would be a reflection of your beauty, your glory, your radiance, your light in the earth. We just bless you, God, and we thank you for that you're a good, good dad. You're a good provider. Thank you, Father, that you don't just give us the minimum. You don't just give us the 10%, but you open up your heart and you open up all of heaven and you say, you see this? Everything is available to you. I died to give you my all. I died and gave you everything. And so, Father, I just ask God right now that you would help us to live this out. Would you give us your grace to live out this Sermon on the Mount? Father, would you bless us today? Would you bless our dads? Would you, Would You? Um, I pray, God, for um, connections. If there's been a rift between you and your father, uh, prayer team, would you come up? We really want to pray for you. Um, Tyler, can you put on some music, uh, some worship? Mm-hmm. And um, if that's a hard place for you, and you've been wounded by your dad, we just want to pray for you this morning. We want to prophesy over you. If you need a word from the Lord, also, we want to prophesy over you. If you need healing in your body, come up and we'll heal you, and you can go out without that um, hurt ankle um, or that bad back. Amen? So, Father, I just bless you and release you, and I thank you, Lord, for everyone here. In Jesus' name, Amen.